Good morning, good morning everyone. Here we are in another installment of the Voices of the Festival. I hope you're doing very well. Um, <clears throat> it's a little early for me. <laughs> I'm, in, uh, I'm in San Francisco, California, and here it's 7 a.m. Yay, exactly. So here's Michael, and I'm going to invite him to join us. Um, Here we are. Hopefully, he'll join us very soon. Yeah, there he is. Excellent. Good morning. How are you doing? Then? Okay. I'm good. How are you? Good, good, good. Where are you right now? I am in my apartment in New York City. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. lovely. Yeah. And, and you're in you're in LA, is that right? No, no, I'm in San Francisco. Oh, San Francisco. San Francisco. Very different. Very I'm different. Little, different. <laughs> so it's uh, it's beautiful. I'm in a. Uh, in this uh, beautiful space. Not too uh, shabby. I know, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Um, so, here, uh, I'm here with, uh, with Merola and uh, doing right, yeah. uh, an old Spanish um, scene program with the, uh, the Merolini and the orchestra. So, it's uh, quite, quite nice. So. Yeah. Sounds great. Wish yeah. I was there. I uh, you know. <laughs> you should come and visit. So. Yeah. Um, and um, what are you doing here these days? Uh, let's see. I'm well. I'm about to leave. This summer is pretty busy. So next week I actually head down to St. Petersburg, Florida. We're doing uh, Martin Hennessy and Stephen Kitsakis's show that they wrote for me called "The Pleasing Recollection," which is like a one-man cabaret opera. This will be our fourth time performing it. So I'm just kind of trying to enjoy Pride, New York oh, Pride, even yeah. though I won't be here for the actual Pride events. But St. Petersburg is hosting us as part of their official Pride celebration. So it'll okay. be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, actually, Pride here is uh, next Sunday, I think. Oh, great. Uh, yeah. and, and here's the, the, the big Pride parade in, in San Francisco. So I'm looking forward to yeah, it's it. epic out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it should be, <laughs> be fun. I think it's a, even that like a couple of days is the start on Friday and, and finish on Sunday. So, um, awesome. so, so that should be very good. And yeah. uh, uh, so we're talking, what is that show? Tell us more about that show. Yeah, it's uh, it's a show that's that's based on Stephen Katsakis's life. Um, he was. A uh, young man in New York City in the late 70s, early 80s, and trying to find his way. And he was a pianist, still is, but uh, does more writing these days. And he was, you know, meeting all of these prominent gay celebrities around town. So he meets Leonard Bernstein, he meets Aaron Copeland, he meets Larry Kurt in a recording session. Um, and, you know, he has flirtations with them, he has... Uh, awkward situations with them. He has love affairs with them. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. And inevitably, you know, he's looking for his own success, his own way in the world. And he finds that. And he also finds true love. So it's a really, it's a special show. Good. And, and yeah. what, uh, did he write the music? So uh, Martin Hennessy wrote the score. Okay. Yeah, Martin's awesome. He's, you know, he's taken all of these 
influences from the people he meets. So you hear a lot of Bernstein and a lot of Copeland and, and it's just all sort of meshed together into this really fun, um, just song to song, very cabaret style. And uh, exactly, I was trying to say, why, why is it cabaret? Is that because of the fact that uh, you go from song to song? I mean, I assume also the, the quality, the, the kind of songs that you're doing, right? Yeah, it, it is. Um, it, it was a choice that they made because Stephen played cabaret and sort of musical theater songs during that time. And he was actually one of the pianists at the very famous Marie's Crisis in New York, right back back in its earlier days. So, yeah, it sort of is fitting to uh, what Stephen was up to those days, which is fun. Oh, good, 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 excellent. Well, yeah. that, that sounds fun. And uh, I know that they, uh, do you have something between that and and your show with Savannah, or, or that, then you go to Savannah? Yeah, actually, no. I'll I'll be in uh, I'll be in France for three weeks. Uh, I just bought my ticket. Oh, uh, it's expensive these days. <laughs> um, yes. And I uh, I'll be out there with uh, pianist Benedict Jourdois. And yeah. yeah, you know Benet, right? But yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, from Julia. <laughs> and yeah, of course, yeah. And uh, and Blythe Gassert will be out there as well. And we we were out there last summer um, too. And we were essentially doing some some groundwork to start a music festival in the town that Benedict's family has been summering in forever. They have a house in the Brittany coast, which is on, on the Atlantic, uh, sort of the, the northwestern corner of France. And yeah, we're just, we're trying to get something going out there, potentially also a training program. So we've been sort of going out there and doing some concerts and drumming up interests and uh, seeing what we can come up with. Fine, well, that's great. Yeah. Uh, do, you, do you remember the name of the town? Uh, it's called Karnak. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's not far from Belle Isle. That's sort of like the landmark that's over there, the, okay. the fam more famous place. All right, good. Okay, yeah, beautiful. So uh, that's that's fun, and uh, we'll say hello to Benedict. Uh, I will. I will. <laughs> well, you know, she just had a baby, so she's you know <laughs> deep second. in it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wow, second baby. So that's that's really. Yeah. Great, and um, and then you come back to to Savannah. Um, that I do to do Brigadoon for us, and uh, and uh, this is not your first time in Savannah, right? So um, yeah, tell us what's your your history with the city. Well, I've only been there once before, and that was for the American Traditions competition, uh, right. which I'm sure many of your patrons and people that are watching right now probably know a lot about. Um, I had a lot of fun there. It was 2019, uh, literally weeks before shutdown. Uh, sorry, yeah, it's 2020. Sorry, not 2019. Okay, yeah. 2020. Um, yeah, just I think it was three weeks before everything got shut down. So it was the last thing I did. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Course. I mean, that went well. and uh... Yeah, it did go well. So what did you get in, in the competition? I won the Cheryl Milnes um, prize. So <laughs> for, you, for obvious reasons right here. <laughs> right, exactly.
sorry, I don't know why it's stopping. There we go. Um, um, did you did you meet Cheryl then, or not yet? Uh, I didn't meet him during that time. Uh, I don't think he was in town actually, um, but I've I've met Cheryl uh, many times in the past, uh, just at various events and here in New York and elsewhere. I forget exactly where, but I've, I've definitely met him a few times in New York. And we got to chat a little bit um, over Zoom after I won. I remember during the pandemic, we, we got to see each other. Good, 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 good. Yeah, he said, he's, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I, I met him, I, I, I felt like I was meeting, you know, someone very intimidated like Scarpia or Iago, but, but as we know, he's he's extremely friendly and, and and engaging. So it's just like it's 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 a bit of a. Uh, I mean, we are always afraid of him at first. It's just like, right. it like yeah, to, he's a good actor. Uh, it feels like it's going to be like you know, Yago, Scarpia, someone like like scary. And, but but you know, he's he's uh, very yeah. Very he's just a big teddy bear. Right? Exactly, exactly. Good, good, and. Um, and uh, so in the um, in the ATC you get to do all kind of repertoire right um, not just yeah. classical or musical theater or song yeah exactly you you you're having to um, pick and choose things that are right for your voice but you're also wanting to stay within the parameters of what the competition is asking you to do. So it was a So I was able to, um, you know, find a lot of really fun rep that I've always wanted to do, but really never had the opportunity to explore because I had been focusing so much on, on opera up until that, that point. But, you know, it was it was a really fun experience, and you know I I won the opera prize, which which is wonderful, you know. But um, yeah, it definitely stretched me as an artist to to participate, and you know I got to meet I got to meet singers from a lot of different backgrounds and experiences, which which also really you know heightened my personal experience of being there. Do you, do you traditionally uh, do more opera? I, I do. I sort of do a mix. I mean, I've, I've had sort of a, a, a non-traditional tra trajectory in my career. I started very much in opera, and that kind of led me into the early opera, Baroque opera world. I was working um, a lot with that, and then I was doing tons of concert work, so, you know, singing with symphonies, you know, masses and, and requiems and all of that business. Um, I think I did something like 15 Carmina Baranas <laughs> in those earlier days. Um, and then, you know, I started getting into a lot of new opera um, during that time as well, which kind of led me to realize that I, I had a lot of skill to, to, you know, use my voice in different ways and, and I could, I could change styles very quickly. Um, and I had done some musical theater along the way. Um, in my training, I, I did a production of the Fantastics in undergrad and I did Sween Tobias and in, in Sweeney Todd, uh, in undergrad. Um, and then 
Yeah, I, I, I also did a production of Sondheim's Passion at the Châtelet in Paris. I've done um, Kiss Me Kate, actually, at uh, St. Petersburg with St. Petersburg Opera, which is where I'll be again next week with uh, The Pleasing Recollection. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. And, and I sing lots of song and art song repertoire that's sort of been a huge part of my life. Um, here in New York and, and elsewhere, you know, I was always sort of finding my, myself in, in the recital world. Um, and I, I, I've run a couple of different organizations that present uh, art song recitals. So, yeah, it's a big piece of who I am. Right. Um, so, in fact, we, we first met uh, in, in one of those, uh, related to one of those events, because you came to rehearse yeah. with Howard. Uh, yeah. to, our, to our apartment, so that's how I first met you, uh, and you were yeah. doing a, a, a new piece, uh, a, I believe it was a commission, right? So it was a, it's a brand new world, world premiere. And um, so uh, tell us more about uh, your work with new composers, and also because you're doing two things now, you're doing the, the one in, in St. Petersburg, but, but um, the recital series that we met, but also tell us more about uh, these festivals that you, I mean, these organizations that are song-oriented uh, that you run. Sure, yeah. So I, back in, in 2010, I, I built with, with a number of, of colleagues and friends uh, an organization called Song Fusion, which was, you know, it, it was the early days of my career. I, I had just moved back to New York and I, and I kept thinking, well, it would be a good idea if I stayed creative. It would be a good idea if I stayed active and gave myself and my friends and our friends a platform to be seen and heard. You know, it's a hard thing in New York when you're young and you're just trying to, you know, make it. Um, you go to an audition and people are like, well, who are you? What do you do? And why are you here? <laughs> you know, right. um, you haven't cut your teeth yet. So we, we built this thing, which was a, a lot of fun, a lot of work. I learned so much in presenting and, and uh, you know, building, building recital programs and, you know, all of the legwork and, and the, the admin that goes into that. It was a big learning curve for all of us. But um, I'm so glad I did it because I've used it uh, in my career quite a lot. Um, but I, essentially, that was an organization that, that was meant to collaborate with artists working in other mediums. So we would ask them, you know, what they, what they wanted to create. And then we would, we would find repertoire that made sense with, with their ideas. So we would collaborate based off of their creative vision and, and bring our own to the table. And our hope was that we would we would support the art song world with that effort by bringing in an audience that may not experience art song, um, but they would come as a result of wanting to see, uh, you know, the artists that they are a fan of. So, you know, sort of cross-pollinating. And was it um, a new song or it was all kind of? Repertoire? It was all sorts. Yeah, we did... Um, 
we did, you know, Schubert and, and Brahms and Foray, and then we would do uh, new compositions. We, we gave a number of world premieres. We, um, we commissioned a couple of, of song cycles. Um, and, you know, we, we, we found whatever repertoire made sense with what the artist was trying to build. So it, that could run the gamut. In a single program, we, we could have a world premiere and then, you know, Andy Fernagelipta, <laughs> you know. So it, it was really, it ran the gamut. How do you go by, uh, just tell it to, to, our, to our crowd, how do you go by in, to commission a song cycle? Oh, yeah, that's, that's a complicated question right there. <laughs> Very loaded. Uh, finding money for the arts is always a challenge, as I'm sure you know all too well. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, we, we had built uh, an audience at that point. You know, we didn't do it in our first or second season because, you know, we, we just didn't have the power or the structure to be able to do that yet. But... Um, You know, once we had established that and we had some fans, we, we told our patrons, we told the, the, the sort of members of our, our artistic board, we, did, we, we were the members of our board at that point. We, did, we didn't build an external board. Um, so it was completely artist run. But we told our people that we wanted to do this and, and we were able to raise the money for it. Um, we had an idea of what we wanted to do. Uh, we had uh, Pride actually was coming up the first time we, we commissioned and we wanted to um, commission a queer composer to write about the queer experience. So we, we ended up getting Ben Moore, if you know Ben's music, mm -hmm. um, and he, he and I actually worked on that together. And he included a poem that I wrote about coming out to my brother in a larger set that's called Love Remained, um, which is very beautiful. And it includes Harvey Milk's Hope Speech, a sort of truncated version of that, and two, um, two settings of the It Gets Better project, uh, two videos from that project. We, we took those and we also truncated them and turned them into songs. So it was a really special... Um, experience to work with Ben like that. I had known him a long time before that and uh, had sung his songs and you know, getting to, to work with him so closely on that was, was a new experience for me and, and very exciting. And, uh, and so, so now you pick the, the composer, you pick the songs and then, I mean, the, 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 the lyrics and, and then how was the process with the uh, back and forth with the composer, the performer. And... Yeah, so we, <laughs> we, we really dug deep. You know, the first time I came to him with the idea for the commission, you know, I had all these poems. I was like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? You know, a composer only wants to set the words that speak to them. So we kept digging. And... Then we, we found these, I shared these videos with him from the It Gets Better project. And he was like, these are great. I'm really into this. Let's, let's do that. Um, and then we were really struggling to find the fourth thing. You know, we chose the Harvey Milk Hope speech. And then we were like, we need, we need another voice. We need another point of view. Um, you know, all of the songs are about 
struggle or finding your way through to better times. You know, the hope speech is all about that, right? Like it gets better, just keep going, find your people kind of thing. And we were like, you know, it would be nice if we had a, an, an experience of coming out represented in which the outcome is positive, right? Not, not a negative experience. So um, we kept looking, we couldn't find it. Uh, there, there are poems out there, but they were all like really heavy and, and not quite the right attitude, not quite the right color. So that's when I very sheepishly said, I have this poem that I wrote. <laughs> and uh, I was like, it's not, it probably needs some revision. It might need some, some work, but take a look at this. Let me know what you think about it. And I got an email back and he was like, this is, this is it, Michael, we found it. And it's in your own voice, which, which I think will be really beautiful. Um, and it, it was, you know, particularly special because, you know, it was about me coming out to my brother and my brother was in the audience when I premiered it. So it was pretty great. Well, that is, that is a very, very yeah. tailored to, to the artist kind of uh, <laughs> yeah. song cycle. I mean, because you were not only the performer and the commissioner, but also the, the librettist in a way. And, uh, and you didn't... Yeah right the whole cycle but just just one part of it so that's that's yeah uh, which which is actually oddly enough sim similar to the piece that that i performed with howard and um that you heard me sing for the first time doing that in your living room so right. we we built that piece john glover and i built that piece together where we chose poems and then we included two of my poems as well in that that cycle so yeah, it's it's kind of becoming a thing. <laughs> do do you write randomly or do you write regularly? Um, I try to write fairly regularly, but usually when when poems come come out of me, it's kind of like a fever, right? I I feel like I have to get something on the page. Something's been gnawing at me. Um, you know, I have two. The, the cycle that, that John took the, the two poems to set from uh, was something I, I wrote, I think I wrote it in a day and, and it's 10 poems. And it just like, I was going through some stuff and I finally was at a, a place where I was really processing it all. And, you know, like, I, I felt all these words bubbling up. And so I, I got my pen and my paper out and suddenly I had a, a poetic cycle. So that that's typically how those things happen. But, you know, individual poems sort of come to me um, at random, which is also nice. And um, I'm becoming a librettist right now as well. That's my, my next step. So I've got three libretto projects in the works. Three, wow. Three, yes. No, that's huge because that, those are very time-consuming projects in terms of the, the length yeah. and the scope and the, uh, you, you, you know. Well, you, you tell us, how do you write the libretto? I assume you're talking, we're talking about a, a, an opera or a short kind of opera. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing, um, uh, they're all chamber pieces, which, which is exciting. So like it's a, 
it's a it's a bit of a, an easing into the world of of libretto instead of writing grand opera, which um, you know is a, is a much big, bigger form. But I feel like that it's the same amount of work in the end, right? Like you're you're still building and crafting and 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 thinking dramatically, which is a bit new for me, you know, to to think in that way because as a poet, you're you're transcribing emotion right you're you're not necessarily thinking in drama or action so uh i'm yeah excited to be able to do that i've 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 yet to start writing the actual librettos for these projects i've been working on the outlines of the stories uh one is an adaptation of a play so that one is a little easier right we we have everything sort of laid out in front of us and then it's just about how do we organize all of these thoughts and ideas and and all of this drama into something that makes sense uh, operatically so that that'll be a, a different challenge um the the second piece that i'm writing is based in history it's a retelling of of uh, a, a moment in history um and i've had to create uh, a story based off of you know all of the research that i did about what was going on during that time so that's been very fascinating i'm reading about these historic um figures in in the arts actually um and then figuring out what their personal lives could have been like in order to make something juicy <laughs> for for the stage um and then the the third one is similar it's also based on um, a historic figure and but it's about a very specific moment in time uh a, I, I can talk about it it's it's uh, about Shostakovich when uh Stalin sent him to New York to give a communist propagandist speech at the World Peace Conference at the Waldorf Astoria so it's it was a pretty messed up little moment in his life and sort of a a a, a very um sort of under the microscope moment for him and for Russia and for, you know, his music as well. He was, he was such a star here when he arrived. It was almost like the Beatles were coming, you know? So yeah, it's, it's really fascinating. Again, I'm going to have to imagine a story uh, or, or the specifics of a story and, and some of the sort of drama that surrounded him. So it's a challenge. Uh, two things. Um, first of all, yes, uh, writing a poem is one thing, but writing it, 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 it virtuous, and I think it's because you need to behave like people talk, meaning yeah. you cannot just think. Uh, I mean, at right. some point you could just think and there will be an aria. Uh, what that's what usually arias are. But, right. but uh, essentially, libretto is a dialogue of someone actually talking. And so mm -hmm. you had to come up with the, what, what would I say that give the, the right information and no superfluous information, information of uh, what I'm doing, how I feel, but without saying it. Uh, and right. actually that, that, that evolves the story and, the, and it has its, the right ups and downs to, to get to the climax of the... Um, yeah. So how do, you, how do you lay out all that process? Well, you know, it's it's such a distillation of of information as well. You know, in, in opera, you can't 
it can't be too wordy. The music has to sort of express um, so much of what happens. Um, I mean, we know this historically, right? We, we hear it in Mozart and, and there's a lot of words in Mozart, but, but if you really like look at the libretto, you can see that there are things that aren't said that the music does. So I, I've been you know, thinking a lot of, about that, how, how to, to get this message across, how to get this story across, but not give too much away and, and allow for there to be room for the composer to fill in those blanks with, with their creation. You know, so it, it's, it's a fascinating process that, that, you know, I've only just begun and it's exhilarating and terrifying all at once, you know, walking into a new territory. But, you know, as an opera singer, I think that, you know, to, to do this work is to have a, an advantage because I, I know what I like to experience in the, in the words um, and in the singability of the words themselves. So I'm, I'm thinking in that way too, you know, what, what vowel is gonna be good at the climax of this, you know, sentence that I've written? What, what is, the, what is, the, the, what is it gonna feel like on the tongue to, to be able to get everything across? So it, yeah, there's, there's a lot to consider and I'm excited to, to put my, my stamp on, on that side of, side of the, the opera world. How, how do you come up with the, this, this hat of a librettist? It kind of just happened, actually. I, uh, I had this idea pre-pandemic to adapt this play that I love. It was also a movie. Um, I think I'm allowed to talk about it. it it's called The House of Yes. Um, and if you remember, it was a Parker Posey vehicle in the mid 90s. Uh, it was shortly after the play had premiered um, and had a life already. And it's a really weird, twisted family drama um, that centers around uh, this twin brother and sister who have a very strange relationship uh, in which they, they should I even say it? They play with one another, utilizing the assassination of JFK. So it's it's super weird. It's super fun. Oddly fun. It's very funny um, in a sort of black comedy kind of way. And there's only five characters. It happens in one night in a house. So it's very compact. And so I reached out to uh, my friend Kamala Shankaram and asked her if she was interested. And she was like, I love that play so much. Oh my God, yes, 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 yes. So we, we started the process pre-pandemic and then we realized maybe we should take a break <laughs> until all of this clears out. Uh, we had all, also started the process of getting the rights for the play, which really is a process. Um, and we have returned to it now post-pandemic and we're all contracted and ready to go. So that's, um, it's going to be an interesting little moment. And so I really didn't know that I was going to do this except for this idea that I had. And then it, it just made sense that I would, you know, write the libretto. I'm co-librettoing actually with, with my friend, Kathy Kelly, no relation, but, um, 
Kathy and I will, will write it together for that one. And then the next one came out of just a conversation that I had with another composer friend. And I just sort of off the cuff mentioned this idea that I had for an opera. And he was like, we should make that opera. I really like that. So <laughs> um, here we find ourselves. Kathy Kelly, the, the conductor? Yes, yes, oh. exactly. So yeah. she's also writing the libretto. Yeah, she's actually written two uh, librettos already. Uh, one was with David Hanlon, the composer, and the other one was with Kamala Shankaram, uh, which was uh, a one-woman um, opera that was premiered digitally during the pandemic. So it was turned into a film. What, what, what was the name of that one? Uh, it was called Interstate. Yeah. Okay, yeah. well, big, big friends uh, with, with yeah, of course. Kathy. So, hi, Kathy. Yeah. Hi, Kathy. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, great. Um, so, and, and then um, this idea of how do you go, uh, are you part of the, of the producing of these operas or just being asked to, to do the libretto? So, uh, essentially what we've done is we've you know pitched our idea to a number of opera companies for the purpose of commissioning and producing so luckily for me i i i just have one responsibility although it is sort of like big in the beginning that pitching process um is a lot of work and preparation and you know creating um, an outline that makes sense so that they can really imagine what it is that they would produce Um, and, you know, it has to seem really interesting. <laughs> so, you know, we, we managed to, to get interest in what we're creating. So that's, that's a, the lucky thing. Be, being, uh, the, some, somehow the, the, the force, the energy, the, the force behind the projects and the, the librettist, how much, and also singer, how much you have in this project you say in terms of the the vocal lines and the, and the music writing in terms of how it fits your text for one well and i think the, your oh, singing and the singing for another one yeah i think it, it's going to be an interesting journey uh, again i'm just learning i obviously i've done this with my poems and working with the the composer to say like hey i i hear it actually like this, like this line, this is how I would read it. And, and I'm not sure the, the way you've said it um, in the shape that you've said it, I'm not sure it's quite what I had in mind, you know? So then we, we go back and forth and we, we make little changes to it that, that help to underline what I think should be underlined, what, what, what should be brought out in that particular line. Um, so I think that that, that's, that process will probably be rather similar. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is kind of, once you send off that libretto to the composer, they're, they're getting busy with it and working with it the way they see it. So I, it, it really depends on the partnership that you have, that you've established, and the willingness of that composer to work in that kind of way. But I think it is a back and forth to an extent. And then in the end, right, it sort of 
goes off to the composer and it's their their responsibility. <laughs> but um, yeah, sorry, what was your second question, Jorge? And, and uh, uh, that's as a librettist, but also as, as a singer, uh, do, you, do you have a saying in it? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think I'll, I'll have a, a, a particularly unique point of view, right, to be able to say, hey, this doesn't seem like it would be great for the singer. You know, maybe can you reimagine it like this? Like, this is where I think the, the higher pitch would best be served in the line or something like that. You know, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically, of course, but I think, you know, that's, that's my advantage as a singer to be able to bring that expertise with me in this process in, in ways that other librettists who aren't singers don't necessarily have, right? They, they're thinking about it, um, you know, solely from, from the sort of literary and uh, expression side. So yeah, that that should be interesting too. I hadn't thought about it, but right. I mean, it certainly, you, you. I mean, you can't escape that that the fact that you you are a singer and you will probably sing how they said your poems and say, yeah. well, you know, not so you will have a natural attitude toward the a response to to the actual vocal line. So I'm sure yeah, that will happen. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and. So changing quite a bit of the topic. Tell yeah. us about yourself. I mean, where where are you from originally? Because you say come back yeah. from New York. So uh, I mean, it could be come back from college. But where where are you from yeah. originally? And where how do you I, started music? I'm I'm actually I'm from New York. I grew up on Long Island, uh, not far from New York City, just about 30 miles, in a town called Massapequa, a bit of an infamous town. Um, I have a, I mean, I know it really well because one of my best friends lived there forever. Oh, wow. Uh, she, she eventually moved to Spain and things like that. But uh, I used to, we used to leave, uh, we used to uh, leave our, our little dog in, in Massapequa every summer for oh my God. 15 years. I uh, would go to Massapequa very often. So That's I, I know, crazy. I, like... I don't know, and why is it infamous? Um, well, uh, a very famous crime happened in Massapequa. Uh, the Joey Butterfuco Amy Fisher shooting happened. Um, I don't know if you remember this. This was like mid '90s, uh, and it was sort of one of the first um, media circuses that happened in the country, where they were just under constant surveillance and all over the news. 24-7. So our town was was inundated with with this, right? We were we were all massively affected by, by what was going on. So it was yeah, it was a wild moment. Um, and we have a lot of mobsters that are from there. The the Gaudis have lived there, the Gambinos have lived there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting. Uh, yeah. so so for Massapequa, I didn't know that. I mean I I, I know the the town, but I didn't know that they had these celebrities uh, there. Uh, <laughs> and then? Uh, then I, you know, I was a saxophonist and um, growing up, and I was also a ballet dancer when I was younger. Uh, so I was always in the arts. And then 
I sort of fell upon singing. My saxophone teacher was like, go, go join the chorus. It'll help you play better. And so I did. And I realized I had a voice I, I never knew. So I, I started pursuing that with more uh, vigor. And when I auditioned for conservatories, I auditioned on both saxophone and voice and got in everywhere but one school for both. So I had a decision to make. I realized in the end that I was more interested in being able to tell stories uh, through my art than just playing music alone. So voice one, and I went to uh, Eastman School of Music for my undergrad. And then I got into Juilliard for my master's. So I, I got to come back to New York. And then straight out of Juilliard, I went to Zurich, Switzerland. I was in the Zurich uh, Opera Studio, their, their young artist training program. So I did that for a year. And then whew, this is like a speed version of my history. Uh, I moved to Houston, Texas after that because I was singing as a tenor at the time. And I was having some issues with my technique and I found a teacher in Houston, Texas that I really wanted to work with. And we endeavored down a path that took me to baritone land. So yeah, I, I started my career briefly as a tenor and then um, sort of revamped and started again as a baritone. When you when you started uh, in Eastman, were you a tenor or were you singing tenor rap? I was, yeah. Oh wow! So so you you was a, you were a tenor for quite a while, and then yeah, and... I sang as a tenor until 2010, and then I switched. So even through Julia and Turek. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was that's... it was a crazy experience. <laughs> yeah, that's a long time uh, to be in 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 a fact that you were not feeling comfortable yeah it was a constant struggle and that's what inevitably made me go i i have to go figure out either why this is a struggle like maybe there's something missing in my technique that's keeping it from being easier um or there's something else that needs to happen and it turned out it was the something else <laughs> So certainly you're a high baritone, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. And, uh, and so, so then you, did you actually move to Houston? I did. Yeah, I was there for almost two years. Um, yeah, it was it was great. Um, I I found myself loving Houston, uh, which I didn't expect. You know, as a New Yorker, I was like, "Am I going to be surrounded by a bunch of cowboys? Like, what is this?" And I get down there and it's, you know, it's a very cosmopolitan city and, you know, a thriving gay community as well, which I was delighted to discover. Um, so, yeah, it, it became a, a little haven for me during that moment of, of confusion, right? Like I stopped performing for about a year during that time and was just focusing on, on identifying, uh, you know, sort of the faults that were happening, so. It's interesting because uh, obviously you were successful in a way as a tenor. If you go into Julia and into Turi, you're an artist, which is also very sought after and yeah. hard to get. So that's, uh, uh, that's, uh, that's a decision. <laughs> because one thing is when, yeah. you, when it's not working and you don't get anywhere, but when you work and... Uh, well, I was being offered um, 
a lot of work in Europe. I, I had been offered two FEST contracts, you know, contracts to, to be a, a company member with uh, an opera company. Um, and Zurich was also grooming me to, to be a FEST singer for them. And I, I just kept looking at the repertoire that they were asking me to sing. And I was, it was terrifying me because I didn't know that I could perform it well or survive it. Right? The, the tessitura of some of these things that, that they wanted me to do, uh, ugh, I just, I knew that it was going to break me actually, inevitably. So I made a very hard decision. I, I consider it the, the most brave thing I've ever done uh, to, to turn my back on those opportunities and go address uh, what I felt was going on with me. So I, you know, and I tried out a bunch of teachers in Europe, hoping that I could just sort of stay there and, and ride that and fix while I went. But I took one lesson with my teacher in Houston and I knew that he was going to be my answer. So I changed it all. Great. Are, are you, are you, did you come back to Europe uh, after that or, or do you stay in the States after? after I, I stayed in the States. I, I moved back to New York after Houston. So I, yeah, I was back here sort of re rebuilding. I got, a, I got management after that. I started touring with the Mark Morris Dance Group as a soloist, uh, not a dancer, as a singer. Um, and yeah, we, 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 uh, I, I was performing uh, the the Sati Socrat with them, which is a, a half an hour piece for just one singer. Um, and we did it at mostly Mozart Festival, and we did it all over all over the country. So I that was sort of my my re-entry into the professional singing world. Uh, and then I I won a bunch of competitions around that time as well, which sort of helped me to to launch back in as, uh, into things. So it was, it was a good moment. And, and I'm sure very, very reassuring after, after such a change to say, okay, yeah. so that was, that was the right move to do, which it's, uh, as you said, very scary, but uh, very brave yeah. and, and, and it's working out. And, yeah. and uh, so, and, and uh, bring you back now to, to Savannah and Brigadoon. So how was your, yeah. I mean, uh, since you do, a bit of everything and so you are like a, you should be our poster child because you know in, in savannah west festival we say you know opera musical theater and song and and you certainly yeah. do that and new opera as a traditional um how is your relationship with brigadoon well this is the first time i'll, I'll be uh performing it uh, i'm i'm really excited because it's it's rarely done or not done enough in my opinion i think it's one of the more delightful shows in the canon particularly from that era i i just find it so endearing and so lovely and you know there's there's it's hard to say there's there's so much light in the show um and fantasy and and love and and I'm just so excited to get to play this character. You know, I, I've loved it and I've loved 
the uh, I've loved the, the the movie, of course, as well. It's one of the the great movies. Um, and you know, I'm not related to Gene Kelly, but I'm very delighted that we have the same last name and I get to sort of play the same role <laughs> that he played. Um, yeah, we, sh we should say that Kelly's coming to Savannah to do Brigadoon. Oh right? yeah, that that's a good <laughs> that's a good advertisement right there. <laughs> yeah, um, and and um, it, yeah, it's, it's quite a, a beautiful piece, and and it has this this idea of of magic and realism and and. I would say um, the idea of of commitment and, and yeah. decision and and I mean it's 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 an unusual premise but 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 uh, I think it's the characters and the, and the lovely human beings being put in in an unusual uh, a bit magical and surreal. Uh, yeah, reality. it's almost like science fiction, right? Yeah it's, yeah, it's got this weird thing about it, right? This this town that that wakes up every day and it's it's a hundred years later for 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 us, right? But for them, it feels like it's only a day, and you know, I, I can't even imagine, <laughs> you know, if if you were if you did that and then some some person from the present, our present, waltzes into the town. How strange that must have been. And yet in in the the, the play, in, in the musical, it's as though it's as though they expect it. You know, they're a little taken back, but they're also like, we we know we know what we are. We know what our situation is. And so here you are and let's see. <laughs> and and obviously the the, I mean, many conflicts, but the big conflict is that the fact that it, if if Tommy decides to to go with Fiona, then then he has to he has to risk, in, in fact, de facto, but uh, but in a way, it feels like risk leaving everything else behind. That's right. Um, yeah. To actually, uh, and I'm going to get very personal. In, in a way, it's a bit of the fear of the coming out. Yeah. Yes. And also, yeah. I, I was thinking to you, uh, changing from tenor to baritone, because yeah. there's a feel of, I, I just thought it was, oh, wow, it's just like, because that's, I mean, I don't know if people would understand how serious that, that change is, but it's essentially, it's, it's more than changing from saxophone to, yeah. <laughs> to singer, because yeah. there's a lot of involvement in singing. Um, so I think that that was very brave of you uh, uh, to to do the change, and I think it will inform Tommy beautifully in terms yes, of how you, yeah. how you make decisions. I'm very excited to bring all of that to him, right? Yeah, and it is it is a brave moment, right? Like to give everything up to to walk into a new new world. For him, it, it's so new um, for Tommy. And and yes, I think that's true, right? To to come out is entering a new world, right? You don't know what's on the other side of that decision, and yet you have you feel like you have to make it. You have no choice. So it, it feels it feels yeah. like, um, I mean, it, it feels that way before. Of course, after is is the, the changes is is not that, but it could be. I mean, you 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 risk that you you risk rejection from everyone. In which case. That's right. Uh, I mean, at least uh, 
now now the the, the process is is much more I think it's because it's more mainstream and it's more accepted. It's more talk after, and and and, and we are making strides in accepting it uh, in, in a different way. But but certainly, uh, in a way, still feels sometimes like you could lose everything. So yeah. in a way, that is uh, what that's Tommy's story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, so we're very very happy to to have you and um, and be be uh, our star for for Brigadoon and and feature um, feature uh, Cheryl Mills Prize from the ATC and mm. uh, and and have a, a great uh, recitalist and and you know like a librettist in our so so I, I I'm sure that we'll we'll do a lot of other things in the future with our festival. Well, thank you, Jorge. I, I can't wait to be down there with you all as well. I think it's going to be a beautiful experience. And thank you for for asking me to, to do it. I'm thrilled. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, we're, we're about wrapping up now. So um, any parting words to our crowd in Savannah? Oh, uh, yeah. Come curious. Come open and... Uh, yeah, be be ready for the beauty of this piece, and yeah, that's that's yeah, that's it. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you, Michael, for for being with us, and uh, thank you everyone for watching and and hearing and listening. You know, this is going to be uh, also a, a podcast later, so um, so we are very happy to have you and we're looking forward to to work together and and show you the city around because yes. uh, we are very proud of savannah well it's beautiful i can't wait to be there excellent well thank you so much and everyone i will see you all next friday when we talk to another of our voices of the festival thank you and see you next Thanks, week Jorge. thank you Mike. bye, bye.